A good morning, a sunrise. Welcome to worship on this beautiful sunny day, the summer morning. God is with us, and it's good to be together worshiping Him. Um, as we start off today, I'd love to read from Scripture. I'd love to do that to start things off, to get us in the right mindset. Um, and welcome, also, welcome to you worshiping with us online. Um, thank you for being here with us together. So I'm going to read from Ephesians 2. I feel like it's a, a great passage to kind of set up our worship and set up this song we're going to start with today. So here are these words from Ephesians 2, um, 4 through 8. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through him, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Yeah, so as we worship today, um, let's just celebrate what Jesus has done for each one of us today, that he has made us alive in Christ. And we're no longer, we no longer have to feel the weight of, of sin and shame and guilt. So in response to all that, in response to the, what he's done for us, why don't we stand and worship and praise him today. Let's worship. sorrow and dead in my sin lost without hope and no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began ash was redeemed only beauty remains my orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was rested and my life began. All your grace so free washes over me. You with you It's your endless love pouring down on us You have made us new now life begins with you Release from my chains I'm a prisoner no Shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began, oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made. Now life begins with 
what you said though the storms may come and the winds may blow I remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word it will come to pass great is your faithfulness to me great is your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same I will praise your name great is your faithfulness to Though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Yeah. Your history can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true. The 
Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Oh, and great is your faithfulness to be. Great is your faithfulness to be. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your
today Jesus a savior that would go to the cross would go to the ends of the earth for us that would suffer and die because of that love that intimate love for us all you want is a relationship with each one of us you pursue us as we were praying as a, as a group earlier God you pursue us even when we may be running away, even when we may find ourselves deep in sin or just nowhere, no, nowhere to go or no thought of what could be, but God, you pursue us. You leave the 99 and search for the one who may be astray, who may have lost their way and don't even know their way back. But guide us, God guides today back to your heart. And thank you for the joy that worship brings to each one of our hearts. We are so blessed to be called your children, so blessed to be gathered together in one song together. We love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. God is good. Why don't you guys take a seat? Good morning, Sunrise. Welcome to everyone here and to our online visitors and uh, those of you who are new today, welcome. My name is Debbie Osinski. I'm one of the elders here at Sunrise. I I'm, I'm, love the worship music this morning. It was awesome. Personally, I'm very, very glad that God left the 99 for a couple special people in my life. Um, just want to mention, I'm going to go off script a little bit. Um, Dan's probably going, oh, no, oh, no, you only have two minutes. <laughs> But um, I just want to mention a congregational email went out this week uh, from the elders uh, about our pastor search, and we're very excited, and uh, we've got a lot of work to do yet, and, but we're really excited about the progress we're making. And I just want to mention that our elder team, present company accepted, they're amazing people, and I'm so blessed to be able to serve on this team with them. When I was a kid... Elders were very scary people, two guys in suits that would show up at your house, that mom would make coffee and try every coffee cake recipe for like a week ahead of time. (laughs) But these are not scary people. They are lovely people who work so hard, who love Sunrise, who pray for you and pray for your needs and pray for this next pastor. Pray for Dan Fisher as he searches for his next vocation. And um, I just, you are so blessed, and I'm blessed to be part of that team. Um. Announcements. Uh, there was going to be a prayer and worship night uh, this Wednesday that's been canceled or postponed. And instead, there'll be some emails, prayer emails that'll be coming out, I think, every day for this week. So look for those and pray along with us. We'd greatly appreciate that. And then next Sunday, July 24, after the service, right, 
there'll be a beach day out at Tunnel Park. And uh, Mike Dorn, one of those mm, shaky elders, uh, <laughs> he announced last week that bathing suits were optional. But let me just clarify, uh, clothing is not optional. So you may, it's after, the, after church, out at Tunnel Park, um, pack a picnic lunch. Uh, you can wear a bathing suit or you can wear clothes. Leave your Speedos at home. And come out and enjoy some fellowship time with your uh, friends at sunrise. And so now, did I cover everything? All right, I covered everything. All right, we're going to have about three minutes of time for you to greet. No dismissing of children today. Children will be staying with us other than nursery. So say hello to each other and maybe say hello to one of your elders. And their work has been amazing. They're really gifted people. So thank you. Kids can find your way back to your seats, and those of you at home can find your way back to your couch with your coffee. Um, Well, welcome again. uh, We are excited to have you. Probably saw on the Facebook or the email that went out today, but we have Linda Haven joining us today. We're so excited to have her back. Linda's a former partner of Sunrise, and she was also on staff for several years Mm -hmm. as our financial director. So, Linda, tell us a little bit about yourself. I haven't seen you in a little bit. How are you doing? We are doing very well. If you recall, about six years ago, we had kind of a devastating diagnosis with my husband, Terry, and he doesn't know I'm talking about him, so he's going to love this. (laughs) But anyway, he had cancer, and if you recall, um, around Christmas time, there were numerous times that we thought we were going to lose him. He had three pulmonary embolisms, and we thought he wasn't going to make it. And last April, May, he had his last CT scan, and he is cancer-free. And we do want to thank all of you because it was through your prayer and support, anointing of oil, all of the things that you did to love on us and lift up to our Heavenly Father that made a difference. And so we are so grateful. Awesome. Well, thank you. We're happy to have you, Linda. Yes. I am very happy to be back. It's always great to hear a cello playing. You don't often have that in a worship set. And uh, one of my colleagues, poor Dan, he's new here for the first time too, and I won't ask him to raise his hand, but it was interesting. We were eating lunch, and I said, where are you attending church? And he said, well, have you ever heard of the sunrise on 28th? And I said, yes, I'm preaching there on Sunday. And so if you see someone that looks maybe new, you might just say, Dan, Dan, and Dupuy, just ignore those calls. But um, please make him feel welcome. I told him that you were a body of loving, wonderful people. So thank you so much. Well, let's get into the word and to our topic today. Who likes a hug? Yeah. I think the best part today was coming was that I was getting these hugs. Um, As we know that skin-to-skin touch or just the hugs so impacts us in a positive way. People who have that touch are able to um, live longer than those who don't have any of that connection. I'm hearing a little bit of a tick. Is there something I can do to adjust, or am I okay? Okay, then I I can just hear it. All right, well, hugs are very important. Um, And today we are going to hear a story of someone who's waiting with his arms open wide. But think back to maybe when you had a baby 
or a niece or a nephew or a cousin or a friend. And as that baby was growing, mommy's tummy, the mommies would caress it, maybe the daddies would caress it, and there was that sense of love for that child. Then as that baby was born, the arms were spread wide open, and they grabbed that baby and held the child to the chest. And then, as a child grew and developed, maybe you would have a parent or a friend on one side and the baby on the other, and you would say, come on, come here. And the baby would crawl, whether it was that army-type crawl or the regular standard crawl or maybe just scooting on the buns, but there would be that crawling to that parent with the arms spread open wide. And that continues as a child grows, whether a child is learning to walk or to run Remember sending your child to school for the first time? And as that child came home, how excited you were to love on that child. And then later, as children played sports, they grew up and went on to dances and then maybe found a spouse and married. And all the while, I can say this as a grandmother of eight, you're always waiting there with your arms open wide. I'm not sure about you, but I have a hard time believing my newborn grandbabies ever sin. But (laughs) Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that means even those little babies have sin in them. And there will be times when children do disappoint us. And part of that disappointment is part of a learning process. That child can learn to apologize, to rectify the situation, and to make that right. While there does come a time when a child gets to be older and needs to be held accountable for what he or she has done and responsible for those consequences of what's been done. So today we're going to be spending some time in Luke 15, so I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke 15. I believe if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles on the back table there that you can gather. Uh, Luke is in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels, so there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and we're in Luke 15. And we will be looking at this chapter from three different perspectives. We are going to look at it from the perspective of the Son, who left home. We're going to look at it from the father who is always watching with his arms wide open. And we're going to look at it from the older child who simply couldn't believe what was happening. Now, this is a parable, and oftentimes Jesus used parables to teach the people something that they really needed to hear. There might have been something that they were doing, a behavior that was going on, a belief that they thought was right. And he used parables, and today is no different. So let's read Luke 15, and we're going to start at verse 8. Oops, we're going to start at verse 11, the parable of the prodigal son. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. 
and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired out himself to the citizens of that country who sent him in the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found, and they began to celebrate. We'll continue on with that passage in just a, a few minutes, but let's spend a bit of time looking at this lost son. So the son requests his inheritance. We don't know why he requested his inheritance. Perhaps it was because he was tired of being the second born. How many second borns are there out there? I'm a second born. We have a few out there. You know, <clears throat> you understand, we have to fight for our identity. Those firstborners are bossy. Well, maybe not all, so I, I'll... That's not necessarily biblical, so this is coming from Linda, not from God. But perhaps that second-born son was feeling the pressure of being a second-born, that the first-born got it all, was in charge of everything, and was able to do what he wanted, and, hey, what about me? What about me? Or perhaps his father led a godly home, and he was strict, or had boundaries set in place so that that son couldn't go too far without being called back in. And he was sick of it. He wanted to experience life to the fullest, do whatever he wanted, and he just wanted to get away. Maybe that's what it was. Or maybe he was stressed out because he, again, was the second born, and I kind of think of Prince Harry and his brother, Prince William. You know, Prince Harry, what can he do? And yet all eyes are still on him. And yet he still had all this responsibility, but yet he really couldn't make any decisions. Maybe he was sick of that. Or perhaps he felt strongly led to go someplace else, do something different, do a different type of employment. We don't know. 
or maybe he wanted to be the captain, the master of his fate and the captain of his soul. Think about the times that you left something, whether you quit sports, whether you quit dance, whether you quit your job, whether you left a marriage, whether you just chose to go your own way. Did you always make the best decisions? Because it's very easy for me to look at this, this son here and think, hmm, greedy guy, impatient. He wants his own, but we don't know what was going on behind him. And I sometimes wonder if maybe I've been a prodigal in some way that I have left when I should not have. Well, what does the son do? In verse 13, it says, Not many days later, the son gathered, and he journeyed to a far-off country. Now, the son certainly could have stuck around. He could have stayed and done his own thing. But yet he chose to leave to go to a faraway country. And here again, we don't know why. Could it be because he didn't want anybody to see? Maybe he didn't want his older brother to say something or his dad to have anything. What was he trying to accomplish during this time? Was he afraid that somebody might interfere and he wanted to make his own choices? But later, as we go down in that passage in verse 20, it talks about how that father was watching. And as that son came home, he was already watching. It wasn't that he was busy doing stuff and, oh, my son is here. No, the father was still watching and waiting with his arms wide open. Well, verse 14, we see that the son does waste his money. Haven't you gotten an extra $5, an extra $10, an extra $100, and think, ooh, what can I buy? What can I spend? And we don't always think, hmm, at least a tenth should go to church, or maybe I need to be a good steward of this money. Instead, he had all this money. It was all in his control, and he was going to do something fun with it. We've all been there. And he had some naughty behaviors. He hung around with not very good people, bad women, bad men who led him astray, who really probably were his friends because he had all that money. And I think sometimes of the, the ways that we can get caught in sin and wrong things. And, you know, money isn't the problem. Money isn't bad. It's how we use things that make it bad. The overabundance. I think of someone who has an alcohol problem with, um, say, a, a good beer. That's not my problem. Um, <laughs> I do not care for beer. But some people, I am told, to an alcoholic who loves beer, as he or she drinks that, that cool liquid flowing down the throat feels so good. For those who get addicted to drugs, once again, taking drugs for when you're sick and under a doctor's prescription, it's a good thing. 
But when we take them on our own to help us in ways that they weren't created, it becomes a bad thing. And those drugs can give an addict a sense of euphoria or a sense of peace. For those who are addicted to looking at pictures that are not good pictures, it can give a sense of release. To those of us who are addicted to food, and my colleague Dan knows full well um, what my food addiction is, and it is chocolate. Those who are addicted to food, when I eat chocolate, my brain lights up like a Christmas tree. Now, I am not making that up. That is scientific proof. And so I can go to extremes, and for those of you who have known me maybe for 10, 15 years, you've seen the big Linda, and you've seen the little Linda, and then you've seen the big Linda, and then you've seen the little Linda. But eating more than what I'm supposed to can make that act that way and bring me in. For those of you who love to shop, I know that there are some of you that that can be an addiction in itself. It brings about a release. I could go on and on. It could be hunting. It could be fishing. It could be boating. Whatever is your area, it can feel so good at the time. But in the end, it's not good. So it makes me wonder, how do I define what a prodigal is? And that brings me to 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, and that's toward the end of the New Testament. And it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride in possession is not from the Father but is from the world. So what I'm hearing right here is that the desires of the eye and the pride in possessions. Hmm. What do you desire? What do you look at? That could lead you into that category of being a prodigal. Well, the problem is that none of these things last right? Eventually the chocolate's gone, that euphoria is gone, that sense of peace, it's gone, and you need it again. You're not finding that lasting peace. Well, the son's money is all gone, and a famine comes into the land. Well, one might think that the sun might be seeing the writing on the wall that, hey, there's a famine. You're out of money. (laughs) Isn't this rock bottom for you? Isn't it time for you to change and go back home? But change is not an easy process. One does usually not change in a split second. There's usually steps. The first is where you might be pre-contemplating do is a change needed at all? And I think that's really when the son asked for the money and left home. He didn't think that there was a problem. You and I might have been able to see there was a problem. The father saw that there was a problem. Maybe the neighbors saw that there was a problem, but he was oblivious to it. The next stage is when you contemplate, maybe there is a problem. And my sense is that that's probably where the son is right now. He's thinking, hmm, maybe there is a problem, 
but I'm not ready to change yet. And then the last stage is where you actually prepare and go through that change. And I wonder for you right now, is God pressing something on your heart that you need to change? Have you been a prodigal in one of those ways that we've discussed that maybe you need to change? And maybe today is the first time that you're really beginning to contemplate that, yes, I have something in my life that I need to change. Well, the scripture says that he was so hungry. But we know that when we are hungry, we really need to be hungry for righteousness, not just food. We need to be filled with the love of God. And in verse 15, it talks about how he, he asked to be employed to feed these pigs. In some versions, it says that he persuaded and in my little footnote at the bottom of the Bible, it says it means to glue or cement. He was joining this pig farmer and so close that you could not pull himself away. What's happening to the son who was raised in a loving home, taught all the right things? Would this bring him to his low point? Well, some of us might say, well, what's the big deal? He had a job. You know, he was feeding pigs. And maybe Pastor Dan, when he covered the prodigal son, he explained to you that pigs, to an Israelite, a person of God's, of God's chosen people, they were commanded to not eat pigs. There were certain animals they could or could not eat. And we don't know exactly why certain animals were included and certain animals were not. But what we do know is God wanted his people to be set apart. He wanted them to be different so that when people saw them, they could see these are God's chosen people. Maybe this is how I need to live. And here he was wanting to eat with the pigs. Not eat the pigs, but eat with the pigs. And before we judge him too quickly, I wonder how many times we have eaten with the pigs. There have been times where my mouth has gotten ahead of me and offended people. And yet my mouth still carries on. And it makes me feel awful. I've eaten with the pigs when I've said unkind things. Have I eaten with the pigs when I haven't been kind to my coworkers or haven't submitted to my boss as I should? If I haven't been as loving of a wife or a mother or a grandmother, Randy Alcorn has written a book called Heaven, and it's not a book about um, near-death experience, but rather it's a book about what he believes his take on heaven is like and for those who have gone before us. And you may agree with this or not. This is Randy Alcorn's take on it um, based on what he's read in Scripture, but he believes that those who have gone, who have passed on, are able to see what's going on in this world. Now, they can't see everything. They're not God. They're not omnipresent. But every now and then, I think about my father who passed in 2006. 
And I think, oh, if my dad would have seen me or heard me say this, it would have crushed his heart. And then I think, I'm worried about my earthly father, and yet my heavenly father sees it all. What has your heavenly father seen you do or say? And all the while, we see the prodigal son's father waiting with his arms wide open. Well, the son does hit rock bottom. The son humbles himself. He says, wait a minute. My father has servants, and they are fed a good meal every single day. They have a place to sleep. Maybe if I go back and humble myself and say, please take me on as a servant, maybe I can at least be fed. He also wanted to confess his errors. Well, what a testimony about his home. His father set up such a household where the servants were taken care of in a very good way, which was not always the common case. So we spent some time now on the son's side, his perspective of the story. He asked for his money, he got his money, he moved, he spent his money, he ate with the pigs. We know that the father's waiting there with his arms wide open. But let's think about what the father was also doing or not doing as the son came to him. So if your child moved away and took all this money, what would you have done? Would you have run after him, chased him down? Would you have put a tracking mechanism on his phone so that you could find out exactly where he was at all times? Would you pay for his debts as he went in debt? Or as he maybe did some illegal things, would you deny things that happened or send in lawyers? Would you wire money? Would you wire clothes? Well, how have you handled it when you've had children? So easy for me to look at today's parents and say, well, this is how it should be done because I'm the grandma. But I know when I'm a parent and my child has broken something, it is so much easier for me to pay and replace it than have the child pay the natural consequences for what has been done wrong. And teachers experience this over and over again in the schools where it's the teacher's fault, not the child's fault. We stand in and we come in and we say, no, Johnny couldn't have done that. So what have you done? Have you covered it up? paid for it, denied it? Are we letting our children face the natural consequences? So we see the father letting that son go. But if we back up just a little bit, we also have to pause and think about this money situation. Now, it wasn't uncommon for someone to give an inheritance and divide that inheritance between the oldest son and the rest of the children. Oftentimes, Two-thirds would go to the oldest son and one-third to the younger son. That was common. What was not common was for the son to ask in arrogance for that money. 
what that son was actually saying to that father is, Father, I wish you were dead. Just give me my money so I can move on and do what I want to do. The father probably had him in his household for many years, and he put the boundary on, he raised him in the way in which he should go, and just had to trust that that child would come back. Sometimes we find ourselves enabling our children. You know, when we stand up for them, we deny that they've done anything, we pay their dues, we're enabling. We're becoming codependent with them and not allowing them to grow up. I don't know about you, but I've had a child, too, where I just want to fix what's going on, and my mind spins constantly. And the only way we can recover is to give that to God. And recovery means giving up the dream of fixing someone and going about one's own life, whether or not that person gets well. That sometimes is the hardest thing. And we see that with the father. He lets the son go, but he's always waiting with his arms wide open. So who do you have in your life that you need to watch out, that you're not enabling or codependent? Well, now, as that son comes back, and I'm sure he's not running because he's probably a little afraid of what's dad going to say, will he accept me as a servant? And the father is watching, arms wide open, and he runs up to him and embraces him. And the son apologizes to him and says, I am no longer worthy of being your son. Take me in as a servant. And instead, the father gives him a robe. He reclothed him to be called his son. He gave him a signet ring. And you think back to Joseph when Joseph interpreted the Pharaoh's dreams in the Old Testament. And then when he rose him to a level that he was going to be like governor of the land, he was given that ring. And what that means is after something is written, they put some wax on it and you can stamp it. And that has a sense of authority. So he gave him clothes. He gave him a sign of authority. And then he also gave him shoes. Because it was a servant that runs around bare feet. Ah, the father's love was so patient. I do want to give those of you an encouragement today that we've, many of us have had wandering children and quite often, they do come back. All right, so we've spent some time looking at the father. We've spent some time looking at the son. About the older son. Let's turn to verses 25 through 31. It said, Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard the music and dancing, and he called to his servants and asked, what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, 
who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost, and he is now found. All right. That evokes a little emotion in me. I can understand that older brother saying, this is not fair. After all, you recall, the fathers distributed all the money. Two-thirds probably to the older and one-third to the younger. So whose calf was it that he killed? Probably that older brother's calf. And they were having a party on his dime. But for us to understand this parable, we need to look at to whom the parable was written. And so if we look at Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, it introduces it. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and that was Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. The purpose of this parable was to help the Pharisees understand that they were that older son. They were the ones who always had everything. And the Pharisees, as you recall, had 20 million laws and rules to follow. They could walk so many steps. They could do this or that. And they did everything right, except what wasn't right was their heart. They were all on the outside. And Jesus wanted the Pharisees and Sadducees to realize that it's more than just doing everything right, but rather making Jesus the Lord of your life. So I don't know where you are today. Are you like the prodigal son? That you're here, but yet you have your foot in a place that maybe you shouldn't be, that your eyes are wandering, your actions, the way you spend your money, the things that you ingest. Are you wandering and you need to repent, turn from your ways, and feel the Father's embrace? Or are you that parent? And the parent in this story, the Father, is symbolic of God. Do you need to be more like the Father and not enable someone in your life, but allow them to face the natural consequences so that they can learn? Or are you the older son that you can, you've been a Christian as long as you can remember, or maybe it would happen when you were 13 and you've been working at this for a long time, and then all of a sudden the sinner who has done something, and you wonder how they can enter in and have that same right to be called a Christian. Do you need to rejoice over someone? What we have learned today is that God's desire for the loss is boundless. He is waiting with his arms wide open for every one of us to come to repentance because he loves people. Please accept his warm embrace. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and some of us have been challenged 
Each one of us is walking a different part of life, whether we are the son, the father, the oldest son. But you know where we are. You know where we've been walking. And Father, I pray that you will give us the boldness to move in the direction that you desire. Lord, I pray that you will help us to not have to hit that rock bottom, 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 but instead turn today and experience your loving embrace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to close up our service with a song. And also, um, we can use this time to give of our tithes and offerings to worship God that way. And if you would like to do that, there is a bucket back between the doors that you can give. And also, you can give online with a QR code in front of you. Or those of you worshiping with us online, you can click that link that will be in the comment section. And um, help to give to the ministry here at Sunrise to help keep the lights on and help um, the kids' ministries to thrive, our youth ministry, and also our, um, our missions as well. So... Let's worship, let's sing together, and um, I just want to say, awesome job, kiddos. Stand quiet today. That was, I was like, you guys don't have to be quiet, but it was just like, I was noticing the, in the sermon, like, it is so quiet in here. Wow. Anyway, let's sing, let's worship God. I worship you. You 
Ephesians 1 verse 18 
I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Go in peace and in hope and in confidence with God's arms wide open waiting to embrace you.